Welcome to episode 20 of Just Another Knicks Fan, hosted by your host, a.k.a. Capjack. Please say that F. F is for fan. F is for fanatic. F is for finally. Um, welcome to episode 20. And, you know, I didn't really get to go over the Jordan Doc episode 7 and 8 um, on the previous episode and that was for one reason and one reason only because it was Mother's Day I mean it, may, it might not make sense right now but it was because he mentioned how much his father meant to him and the fact that Father's Day was trending on Mother's Day was interesting and it was also interesting at the fact that Future might have been another reason why Father's Day was trending. And I found all of that stuff interesting. No, but the things that I hate though is how during all the Mother's Day commercials they want to show all these expensive ass jewelry and they try to convince us that a guy should buy the ladies that expensive jewelry and somehow the ladies are convinced that they really need that jewelry. You know, I get it though because they say diamonds are our girl's best friend. But when it's Father's Day, they want to keep convincing us that we just need a new grill to cook or some ties and some socks for like $18. But I ain't gonna lie, I like socks, I love socks. So if you gave me some socks, I'd probably be happy. You know, but fathers for the most part, is like we get told once year that we're strong and mentally tough and it's just like, ooh, thank you for the encouragement. But but what's really worse on Father's Day is, you know, I see a lot of ladies claiming that they are the mothers and the fathers in a certain situation. I believe them, and I completely understand where they're coming from and, and, and them being great and providing for their kids. But yo, but yo, but yo, damn, yo, is the audio messed up? Nah, it's not. You know, but there's a lot of good-looking fathers out there. And let's not just take this one day for Father's Day to take that day to take that day away from them as well. And to be honest, there's probably a lot of bad mothers out there too, but we don't mention that on Mother's Day. So I think it's important to let Father's Day leave that for the fathers. All right, cool, cool. So I'm, I'm gonna get off. I'm gonna get off that. But back to the doc, you know, Jordan was on his bully. You know, I feel a bit deceived now that I think about it because there hasn't been anything that I've seen in the first eight episodes that made me say, damn, yo, Jordan was vile. He was vulgar. I was very unlikable of him. You know, so far, everything I, that I've seen is, I sort of like it. I like that gangster shit, man. Try all this buddy, buddy, hugging it up shit. But um, you know, there's a situation when he talked about he didn't understand politics at the age of 27. And I thought that was amazing because a lot of us really don't understand politics. You know, we really don't get a deep dive into what's really going on and what these politicians really want. And honestly, we never really know. We think we do. But do we really? I'm not sure. You know, 
he was so dedicated to playing basketball. I'm not defending him. I'm just saying he's so dedicated to playing basketball and all of his other responsibilities that he has. And if you think about us as regular people, we really dive into the politics. We got work. We got kids to feed. We got our own demons to deal with. We don't really dive into the politics. We don't have that time. Even a regular person doesn't have time. And I think we should all really find a way to really dive into politics and try to figure this out. But no one really has the time, you know. But what could we do? Back to Jordan, though. Uh, Joe Jordan was cursing out his teammates, and I'm like, okay, this is it. My guy, he punched Steve Kerr. Now, I don't think that was the most noblest of things to do, but I've heard most of these stories again, and I think it's cool to hear from all of these parties at once. Like, okay, these things really did occur, but what was really upsetting me was the fact that Rachel Nichols was really tried, trying to drive his point home that Steve Kerr got punched in the face. Like, relax, we get it. It might not, it might need to be a bigger deal. It might get you more clicks. But no one is finding it that big of a deal because we're pretty sure that's happened with other people, other teammates, other players back in the days. You've heard about Tristan Thompson punching Draymond Green. So it's not the craziest thing ever. You know, plus, with all this stuff that's going on, you know, basically what I'm trying to say is with the whole COVID stuff, people dying, people just want the NBA to come back. I get it, Rachel Nichols. It's cool, though, man. No one really cares about that punch like you do, but it's cool. It's cool. You know, as Steve Kerr himself, he's been through much worse. Uh, but that's something I don't want to dive into. Just know that he's been through some things. But he is a rent collector. And, you know, he seems to be a cool guy to be around. Like I said, and I always like the fact that he gives Mark Jackson his credit for that, uh, for the bricks he laid down, for the foundation, for Steve Kerr to continue progressing that team. You know, it was also, I was also impressed by Michael Jordan when he shed a tear. Just saw how much he cared about winning and how much the game meant to him. I was like, damn, this dude really cares. And he left it all out there. And I don't know why I thought about that training day shit when Denzel Washington had that moment when he said, y'all gonna do this to me? I don't know why I kept thinking about that. But it's just, it's the first thing that came to my mind. It's, I guess because there was a lot of passion in that scene. And there was a lot of passion when Michael Jordan said, cut, that's it. It's like, damn, he really cares about this shit. And the baseball decision is something, you know, I learned a lot from as well. And once he said he had no regrets with his decision and that he was at peace with it, I was like, wow, dude, wow. You know, because a lot of times, People tell you what they think what's best for you. And sometimes they do, but sometimes only you know what's best for you. And it might not make sense for, for anybody else. But as long as you're happy and you know you're doing the right thing for yourself, that's probably the most important thing. And when Jordan retired, 
you know, it also helped us realize how much he accomplished in a nine-year stretch because he did accomplish a lot in those nine years. He had about like three or four MVPs, like five scoring titles, uh, three finals MVP, three chips, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, a bunch of fire kicks. Yeah, so he did a lot in those nine years, man. So I know I'm probably missing some things from that doc, but but when he won that chip on his Father's Day, you know, that moment had me a bit emotional too, because I wasn't expecting him to be to be vulnerable again in the doc. And seeing the amount of mics that were shoved on shoved in his face on a regular basis, uh, I found that ridiculous. I could see how that could tear somebody down, you know, especially without social media, and you know, have your own voice and narrative. And people say that he might have a harder time now, but I think as people, we can all adjust to the climate, like how we're doing to this social distancing, social distancing thing now. And and shit, this quarantine is one of the main reasons. Why we, why we even have this doc coming out now? It's supposed to come out in June after the finals was over. But due to all the stuff going on, the doc came out now. And in a weird way, we all appreciating uh, Michael Jordan and, and that Bulls team or even more. You know, I like the fact that they show Scotty Pippen love, they show Dennis Rodman love. And even though there was a lot of hatred towards Jerry, Jerry Krause, you know, it opened up a lot of people's eyes of how much he did for the Bulls. And I knew Scott Burrow that he was a basketball player because, you know, I watched NBA TV almost 24-7 as a kid and whatnot, but I know his phone is going up right now. I know the price to talk to him right now is probably going up right now too to do all his interviews. I, I go on YouTube. You know, YouTube knows my algorithms. is basketball and certain podcasts that I like listening to. So, and it's probably going to be a lot of Lloyd Banks tips at on my YouTube, a lot of Tupac. But I'll be seeing Scott Burrell, Michael Jordan. And it's basically Scott Burrell, you know, talking about you know, his experience with the Bulls. But shout outs to him, man, because, you know, that one year he said he learned a lot and him playing with Jordan is the reason well, not the main reason, but it helps him get a job and it helped push him further in life. So well, that's great for him. And I'm pretty sure this exposure has surprised him a lot, but you know what? Great for him, man. I just did not expect that at all. That shit threw me off. I'm not even going to lie. You know, I just think it to myself, like, yo, Scott Burrell is really out here, you know? But I, I, wish, I wish they talked about that the player that scored 37 on Mike. You know, we had no interview from him, like his side of the story, especially since he was only in the league for about three years. And he seemed like a cool dude. And I would have loved to see what he had to say about those back-to-back games against the Bulls and saying he dropped 30 on Mike. And it was impressive because one way to look at it is, you know, Jordan will forever, like he left the mark in, in Jordan's brain, like Jordan will forever know who he was because Jordan said, you know, after that after that game we dropped 37, he didn't take nobody lightly after that. So, 
Yeah, if he taught Jordan a lesson, so I figured it, it would have been a great idea if they had him in the last dance documentary interviewing him. You know, we heard a lot of numerous stories about Jordan making up stories to to motivate himself. Thought that was pretty cool. And I think if that's what you gotta do to motivate yourself, then that's what you gotta do. Maybe that's what we gotta do. Maybe that's what some of us gotta do, not all of us. And if that shit work for you, man, by all means do it. You know, we all gotta do what works the best for us. But another favorite part of my documentary was because this doc has been showing all the ass taking that the Knicks have been getting from the Bulls during this whole Jordan era. But finally, I don't care if Jordan wasn't playing that year, he retired. I know that Ewing, I know Ewing wanted Jordan to play while the Knicks beat him. But I'm glad they showed the Knicks being the Bulls. I was like, finally. All, all I'm seeing is Jordan score 51, Jordan score 54, Jordan dunks on Ewing. Jordan first game to drop Garden scores 50. I'm tired of that shit, man. Like, I love Jordan. I respect him. But enough of this Knicks shit, man. Kicking our ass. That's all I see. But finally, finally, they showed us the Knicks being the Bulls. They showed Jordan watching the Knicks being the Bulls. I was cool with that. It's good to see Jordan watching his team lose to my team. But really, well, but what made me, but ah, excuse me. But what made me even more happy was seeing, you know, Penny Hardaway do his thing against Jordan. You know, I mentioned earlier that I met Penny when I was a kid, and I still got his autograph. And he is that one player, and obviously with Shaq, that was that was able to beat Jordan, uh, along with Horace Grant. And, you know, Horace Grant had his own motive since. He was a former boy himself. Penny Hardaway was out there. You know, plus out of, out of his own shoes. I'm talking about MJ. He wore Penny's shoes. And I got a few of Penny's shoes in my crib. And only a couple of them are phone posits. He got the Penny ones and twos. And his, his sneaker collection is, is pretty underrated and unique in its own way. I don't see too many shoes designed like his at all. And, and it just made me, I was just glad that I met him, man. To see him get the recognition that he deserves. And to know that I met somebody that Michael Jordan really respected. And also to see LeBron pop back up and show his appreciation for Penny was cool too. And I've seen LeBron pay homage to Penny numerous times. I remember when he, Stepped on his shoes by mistake. He cleaned them shits up out of respect. I know he's just joking around. I um, said it before. Penny was a second favorite player. But Penny's game was really smooth, man. And, and me and my boy, my boy loved LeBron. Like, LeBron's his right-hand man, yo. Like, if it was up to him, he was watching Penny all the way out last And he's like, yo, LeBron can't make that pass. Yo, LeBron can't do that. LeBron can't. And it's not against LeBron, because LeBron... Just a fucking machine. It's like a tank. You know what I mean? And Penny Hardaway is like a, a gazelle. 
So it's almost like because of the body build too, the way their bodies was built, Penny Hardaway just looks more elegant. LeBron look like he on his bully. But, you know, we appreciate both of them the same. But like I said, I was glad to meet Penny, man. Now, speaking of players that could have been easily one of the greats ever, but, you know, unfortunately for Penny Hardaway and, and for anyone else that wore the number one for Orlando Magic, you know, their career got shortened. You know, there's plenty of, plenty of players that could have been on that list. I mean, that are on that list that I can name, but... No, obviously, the other player I'm talking about is Tracy McGrady, but, you know, speaking of players that could have easily been on that what-if list is Scottie Pippen and Steph Curry. And, yes, they both had rocky contracts. You know, people forget that, you know, Scottie Pippen had, was afraid of his back holding up, and that's why he signed that long contract. And, and Curry wasn't sure if his ankles would hold up. You know, we forget the risk these teams take in these situations, unless, of course, if it's the Knicks. Example, Allen Houston. That's my guy. I love Allen Houston, my first ever player ever. $100 million, bad knees. Stoudemire, I thank you for making New York hot again. $100 million, bad knees. Melo, I love Melo. But his second contract was after his knee was a bit banged up. $124 million. I was okay with Melo because his knee was only bad for like one year. And the year that his knee was bad, it was all to watch the Knicks. It really was. We have Langston Galloway, Lexi Chavez. Oh, man. It was, a, it was a lost season, man. What kind of do? I'm a Knicks fan. But yeah, that Melo contract wasn't bad. We just failed to put the right pieces around him. I was actually... Okay with all of these contracts, to be honest, because in order to win, these kind of risks need to be taken. And when it comes to James Dolan, at least he's not afraid to spend his money in attempting to making a team better, even though we haven't seen the results. It just works out like that sometimes. And all of these players that I mentioned, they were talented, and they earned their contracts. You know, they have shown us their worth and how much they've been kicking ass in the A. You know, it's basically getting paid for what you have done in the league. And that's how I would describe Curry's $200 million contract. You know, a lot of people said Gilbert Smith's contract was bad once his knees gave out. But honestly, since he was a second-round pick, he was also underpaid. And it was actually a rule because of him. I'm not exact rule, but to summarize it, if a second round pick bust ass like him, they got to get paid. Or at least something close to what he was doing. And I even embraced the way, I liked the way that he embraced the way the media treated him because it wasn't so pretty in the beginning. Instead, he was like, yo, y'all can say what you want about me, but I'm going to enjoy this $116 million that's coming my way. And he actually went about Enjoying his life as he should, as we all should. You know, the game when he hit on the Jazz and turning around before the basket went in was wavy. And, and that was the same intro to NBA Live 08. And once 
once I saw that he was gonna be on the cover, I knew I was gonna buy that and be allowed. No, I think right around that era was, was when 2K started taking over, so Gilbert Arenas probably had the last legit, valid NBA lockup, to be honest. And those gold and black Wizards jerseys were severely underrated. Excuse me. But yeah, that second round pick, that Sebastian Nash rule was why Jordan Clarkson was able to get a nice $50 million because of that rule. I feel like now it's the opposite. You know, the players get paid for what they can potentially do. You know, getting paid for potential. And what you have done is two different things. But it can also run to the same results out of a person. It, it really comes down to the character of the player and the culture of the team. And all I really do is just watch the games, man. And sometimes I fuck around with the ESPN trading machine here and there. You know. Like I said, even it shows you even with the Knicks having all that money, you know, it just goes to show that money isn't everything when it comes to success. You know, a lot of factors do come into play. And money is one of the factors, one of the main factors obviously. But how it's managed is another thing. But with all that being said, the Knicks do make the most money in the NBA and they do have the most valuable or the most valuable franchise. So shout out to Knicks for at least doing that. Gang, gang, gang. Back to the Korean and Pippen shit, though. I don't know how much $18 million in 1991 would be in 2014 or 2013 whenever uh, Steph Curry signed his four-year $44 million extension. I know a lot of people were nervous about his ankle holding up the pundits were saying where the Warriors taking up actual risk. And and who knew? And even Kirby, like I said, didn't know what he was going to do. Because he said it himself that he can't believe all the success he had in one interview. Uh, I don't remember which interview it was, but I remember him saying that. And of course, of course, he had performance contract for sure. And a dollar from match 91... In 2014, it's worth $1.75. cent. So basically, if I tell you all the stocks from 1991, though, if we use the 1991 economy, the same year that Jordan did the right to left hand layup, they're going to be like, yo, this is worth $1.75. Y'all probably like, yo, how I know this? I just Googled it. So money wise, it seems pretty close, but. The difference was those three years, so that's not a big deal. But what's up with the economy? You know, that's not my job to determine what's up, but it would be a good idea to pay attention to it. You know, I'm glad that Curry was taken care of because he was one of the main reasons why they won so many chips. And it shows that the Warriors were invested in winning. Plus, Curry people... Curry's bringing people into the seats. So even if they don't win, Curry's still putting on a show. He's still musty TV. But with Pippen, of course that contract should have been restructured. But the Bulls owner, I felt like he was trying to get the most bang for his buck. And I think that mentality has hurt the Bulls. And it was a big reason why it wasn't until they got D-Rose where they finally became like a respectable team. 
I mean, at least Pippen started to make money after he left the Bulls. And the Bulls did hold it down with a signing trade to the Rockets. But it's just crazy that that dynasty could have lasted a couple more years. And it all ended because of pride and saving money when more money could have easily been made. And if they let that team play for a couple more years and, of course, add some decent pieces to the team because it was up in age, they probably, got a, they probably could have got another ring or two. I feel like the competitor, the competitor that Jordan is, he had no problem losing a championship, competing. I don't think Jordan ever felt like he went out the way he wanted to. But not every ending is perfect, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people would love to have Jordan's endings. But. If he ended his career in 1998, that's a perfect ending. Like, it didn't get better than that. But Jordan's Jordan, man. He won't do what he want to do. So, yes, both of these dynasties were built on bad contracts. But we also have to admit, an injury to either one of these players, <coughs> the whole landscape of the NBA is looking different. From the Bulls dynasty to the Warriors dynasties. So... Those contracts got a lot of bangs, Mike Breen voice bangs, for those bucks. Now, one thing I hate when players do is when they try to compare the amount of money the owners make compared to what they make, and then complain to us regular people that make regular money. Now, I get it that we all got our problems and this whole totem pole ranking shit. But no one really want to hear that shit, to be honest. You know, that responsibility is not light of being a team owner or governor or whatever they want to call that shit now. You know, it's basically the main M- the, M- the main MO in the NFL is, is to win with the quarterback on a rookie contract. You know, that way the team can actually build them on a quarterback and they could spread that money around on other players. Because usually, when a quarterback needs to get paid, excuse me, the whole team fall apart because they got to pay the quarterback and now they can't spend that money on the rest of the roster. And the crazy thing is now, (coughs) why I keep coughing? It's not the corona, I promise. Is that the price on these quarterbacks is going up as well. You know, once you start understanding the money aspect of things and sometimes they backload a contract they put more money at the end of the contract that stuff is pretty cool like how they move the money around to accommodate the players the salary structure and to make everything work like I feel really intelligent when I peep what the team is doing with the contracts you know it always makes me want to watch Moneyball cause that movie is a good movie but honestly, that movie might be the reason why the sports world's operated the way it is today. Because everything, everything is based on stats. Numbers, 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 numbers. It's like, fuck the eye test completely. Like, we have enough numbers to skew the story any way we want now. And that's the thing, that we have so much information. Could that be the... Could that be the real problem? 
I don't know. But I do know that the world is becoming smaller but more competitive at the same time. And people need all the information they can get to to gain a competitive advantage because the smallest detail can make the biggest difference. I feel like that's a gem right there, yo. I feel, I feel like Kobe right now. Because Kobe loves the word gem. Rest in peace, Kobe. The smallest detail can make the biggest difference. Ooh, knowledge. But the way that the media be using numbers to develop certain players, I find that shit nasty. And even the news outlets be stat padding. Statting pads. You know, so nowadays men lie, women lie, and so do numbers. Like in the music industry, we know about the fake streams and bots and all that stuff. Like we should know about it. But this whole world is on the analytic wave. And all day, whoever day is, is trying to collect our info every chance they get so they can market to us exactly what they think we want and need. But what I need is a next chip and the NBA to resume and the world to resume as well. Oh, back to Penny Hardaway. Um, he was on the All the Smoke episode, he was interviewed. And he mentioned about, you know, playing for the Knicks and how it was upsetting to him that he wasn't healthy enough to perform because, you know, he knows how much we love the Knicks. He knows how loyal that fan base is. And he was upset that he couldn't give us his all. And after hearing what Penny Hardaway had to say about the Knicks, you know, all I got to say is, you know, don't feel bad, man. Like, just thank you for lacing them up every day that you could. Thank you for being a consummate professional while he was on the Knicks. You know, thank you for understanding the Knicks fan base for real, for real, not like how they parade us, berate us in the media. Thank you for understanding who we really are. Thank you for understanding that we are a loyal fan base to our team. And it's, it's just that we want our team to win. That's why people... <laughs> Like making fun of us because we actually want our team to win and we're there no matter what to a fall at times. So I appreciate Penny Hardaway and his kind words towards the Knicks and, and the Knicks fan base and saying how loyal he was, how loyal he was to the Knicks and how loyal the Knicks fans are and, and how bad that we really won a championship in New York. You know, it was good hearing that because. I feel like a lot of the fans, a lot of the players know that, but, you know, they don't want to come and, and to accept that challenge, man. But it's cool. You know, I smell a championship coming in the near future. And yeah, shout-outs to Penny, man. Shout-outs to Michael Jordan. Shout-outs to Scotty. Shout-outs to all the essential workers. Shout-outs to everybody, man. Shout-outs to the mothers. Shout-outs to the fathers. And that's all I have for today, man. But it was good hearing Penny say that. Shedding light on the positive. On the, it was good to hear Penny shedding light on the Knicks fans in a positive way. Because, you know, we're usually the punching bag. But so with that being said, y'all stay safe out there. Y'all be good. And, and I'm going to get up out of here, man. And go Knicks. Go world. Shout out to Penny. One. It's your boy Cap Jack, Jap Cap. Please hit the F. Episode 20. Pshh.